the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Hope you had a great weekend, everybody. Uh, It is a fascinating time, fascinating time. I will tell you, on my weekend, I actually did something that I have not done in a very long time. In fact, it was my wife's idea, so at least I'm not going to be in trouble for doing something on Mother's Day. But on Mother's Day, I watched... Uh, a number of the Sunday shows, you know, the Sunday shows used to be Meet the Press with Tim Russert back in the day. And then Chris Wallace was on Fox and David Gregory. Where was he? Was he NBC? I don't know who he was. But now you got Stephanopoulos, Snuffleupagus. Um, you got Chuck Todd, Chuck Todd. And so I watched, uh, in particular, I watched Meet the Press. That's the one that's sort of my old. I, I used to really enjoy watching Russert, um, Tim Russert back in the day. And so I watched... Um, I watched Chuck Todd on Meet the Press, and it's insufferable. It's almost impossible to watch. They're such liars, and they're just liars lying all the time. Chuck Todd, one after another, lying, lying, lying. He's lying about what people want. He's got a big statistic. Look at this. Look at this polling. He says, oh, look at all these people that want. They're, they're devastated that they don't want America to make abortion illegal. Well, of course, Roe v. Wade is not making anything illegal. It's returning to the states, and in the states, they may have a preference in their own state that's different than what Chuck Todd thinks the national thing should be. Anyway, it just was torture. But I do want to talk about one aspect, of, two aspects of what I saw, because what you need to know is where they're going. And the two aspects of what I saw are, one, COVID, and two, the abortion question. So first on the COVID, in the middle of Chuck Todd's show, Meet the Press, he interrupted to say, uh, NBC has confirmed um, that uh, over one million people have died of COVID um, since the COVID began. Now, a very solemn, somber, somber, devastating news. Now, he did this in a break between the stories on abortion. And actually, sort of first, when he put the number up, I thought they're going to talk about one million abortions done this month. Or this year could have been this year, I guess. There's been about 70 million abortions done is since abortion since abortion happened, but it wasn't that. It was transitioning to COVID. The White House over the weekend put out something saying COVID is going to get worse. The White House has got, but most of the people in the White House are catching COVID. Susan Rice has it. Kamala Harris had it last week. They want to talk about COVID because they want you to be worried about it. But here's what I want to say: What you need to know. Think about one million people having died since COVID began. COVID really began in early January of 2000, right? All of 2000, all of 2001, and the first six months of 2000, of 20, excuse me, all of, two, all, of, <laughs> all of 2020, all of 2021, and the first six months of 2022. We're talking about 30 months. Now, I was watching Chuck Todd on Meet the Press with my wife, who's a physician, geriatrics, internal medicine. She takes care of old people at the end of their life hopefully keeps them going for a long time. But generally, old people, they get sick and they die. That's what will happen to all of us. Hopefully, we'll get old, then get sick and die, not get sick and die when we're young. But she said to me, she turned to me and she said, that's crazy. 
First of all, one million doesn't seem like that much over a period of 30 months. How many people die in any given period anyway? But then my wife said, you know, remember so-and-so? And I had said, I don't remember that name. And she said, well, yeah, I think it was a he. He was, um, you know, 89. He got COVID and he died soon after. But he didn't die of COVID, she said. He didn't die of a respiratory infection. He died of the stuff he'd had before. And her point was he was counted as COVID. So my point here is watching Chuck Todd and what you need to know is that there is a need for the media, their business model, is to agitate people so that they will seek answers with the media, in the media. And so this somber recitation of, oh my goodness, what's happening? It's unbelievable on, on COVID. Just watch that. What you need to know is they're playing games with us as usual. And you can't trust them, not the media at least. It's, it's, it's well worth trusting uh, a conversation amongst a lot of other people. Experience now, we have a lot more experience with what's happened. We know what's sort of where we've come, even if we don't know everything that should have happened. But shifting then to abortion, watching them try to lie about this abortion situation and trying to spin this. And over the weekend, we had protesters showing up at the justices' homes. We had them chanting and being unpleasant. And being otherwise threatening around the U.S. Supreme Court now is a wall, I don't know, eight feet high. So all the way around the outside. In fact, since last week, since Friday, I went, to, I went there. I went to the wall on Monday. As, since Friday, they had moved it out further. It's out further onto the sidewalk, not just up by the steps. And on the one side, it's actually eclipsed the sidewalk. But what you need to know when you watch the Sunday shows, and again, it's like reading Politico. You can go to those Sunday shows and you can see how the left is trying to manage what's happening. And first, they think abortion is a great issue for the Democrats and for the liberals. I think it's the only po only good for them because it changes the conversation from Biden. But I don't think most Americans really care. But here's where it gets crazy. They had on the air... A conversation, two different, three different conversations, well, two conversations, one-on-one, -on -one, Chuck Todd, the governor of Mississippi, Chuck Todd, the uh, Michigan attorney general, and then they had a, a roundtable of four people. But other than the Mississippi governor, you couldn't get any of them, I take that back, there was one other person who brought it up, to talk about the baby as opposed to the rights of the woman. And as I keep saying to people, I do interviews, I did interviews all day, what you need to know is it's a baby. According to science and faith, it's a baby. That's my opinion. There are people that say it's not a baby, but make them say it's not a baby. They have to say, I don't care. I want the woman to be able to pick her, her, her happiness over the baby. You're picking between lives. I'm not actually saying, well, I will say, it's a terrible choice. It's not a choice. But I'm not, you know, that's what I started out and saying, hey, it's a baby. And what Chuck Todd and the spin is, is that it's about some sort of rights. It's about rights. It's about uh, access. And it's about contraception. Then they said it's about criminal behavior. Are you going to criminalize women's conduct? And my answer to everybody in these interviews I did is I said, hold on a second. We don't hold a 13-year-old girl to the same standard of criminality if she, say, shoots and kills someone. We'd say she's a minor. We don't hold a criminally insane person to the same standard if he shoots someone. But we don't say that they're not guilty. We say that they're not guilty because of something. In other words, there is a there is a the crime that occurs that we have to figure out who to hold to what standard. And it seems to me, if you're talking about life, 
The baby is a life. You ought to be having a conversation about, is a doctor liable? If you ban abortion in Louisiana, is a doctor who has an abortion breaking the law? Yes. Should he be punished? Yes. I think that seems obvious. What is the punishment? Not sure yet. Could be criminal. uh, Could be a a, a jail sentence, I suppose. But then the question is, what do you do with the woman that has an abortion? I don't think we have a good answer yet. Some people say that they shouldn't be held liable in any way. Some people say they should have some kind of penalty, uh, something on their record. I don't know. I mean, I certainly think that you're going to find a lot of people that don't that step away from jail time because they're going to say, well, this is, you know, some. But if you believe it's a baby, I do, then you have to do something to protect the baby. You, You don't just turn your back and say, oh, well, you know what? In that family over there, I don't care what they do to their family. That's their family. I don't care if they take their five-year-old kid and they and they uh, let him let, let him let, let him starve to death. No, you don't do that. You say we have to have some laws that hold us together, and we have to be careful about it. We have to be careful about what the laws are. A lot of people believe that the laws have gotten more and more stringent in favor of the government intervening in people's lives. But we certainly would say in the in the case of starvation or a, a, a life and death, there is an interest in the state to say, hey, what are we going to do here? So. What you need to know, and I saw it firsthand in the in the Sunday shows, is they are lying to us all the time now. They're desperately searching for a way, the narrative machine and the media, to lie to us. In this case, it was just the media. It was big media. Lie to us to get us where they want us to go. Lie to us to get us thinking about the situation the way they want us to. It's really that clear. And I didn't have to, you know, watch it for long to realize that that's what they were doing. They were they're they're trying and they're trying to do it through fear, fear, fear is the greatest motivator of any motivation. Actually, I think it's better than anything. So it's a better motivator than money. It's a better motivator than uh, than fame. Fear motivates people. It persuades people, and it's very very effective. And that's what they're counting on. And what do we do to fight back on fear? We have to have more truth more honesty, more uh, sensibility about what's going on, but not take the bait. In other words, every interview I did, I said, let's talk about the baby. I believe it's a baby. Now what do we do? And you don't take the, let let me finish with this. The late Phyllis Schlafly, whom I worked so closely with, used to say, if you get to claim and frame the argument, you almost certainly get to win. In other words, if you take their framing, it's a woman's right. Are you going to put women in jail? No, it's about a baby. Now what do we do? Frame the argument, own the argument. That's what you need to know. All right, we got to run. We'll take a break. Be right back. Ed Martin here in a Pro America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Ed Martin here in a Pro America Report. Just touching a base off the air with uh, my old friend Ted Malik talking about Europe and what's happening in the world and even talking about our vacation plans and previous vacations. So catching up and I figured out, hold on, what am I not recording all this? We should be talking to Ted on the air. So welcome back, Ted. How are you? I'm very good at it. Thanks. Well, I know you've been writing a lot uh, at American Greatness, and I just, as I looked to see, we're going to interview. I said, where, "Wait, what's he writing?" And I said to I emailed uh, texted Joanna, who works with me. I said, "Where's Where's Ted's next piece? He writes all the time." And she said, "Well, he's got one, but he's going to tell you about it." So, what's coming next from Ted Malik, please? Well, the next piece is quite economic, as is my uh, predilection. <laughs> uh huh. It's called Future Misery 2024. <laughs> So I hate, I hate on a Monday to give you some depressing news, okay. but coming from the dismal science, 
It's basically my take. This is not about heavy metal. Did you know there's a heavy <laughs> metal band called Misery Index? I didn't know that. No, I did not know that. Once again, once again, you're educating me, Ted. Uh, uh, I didn't know that. This is about the other Misery Index, which, of course, the classic famous economist Arthur Oaken calculated way back years ago, which is uh, the economic Misery Index. And what I'm doing here is calculating not just the inflation rate and the unemployment rate, as measured by the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics. But what I'm stressing is how bad things are going to get by 2024. You think they're bad now? Just wait. The uh, So uh, can you really predict in this world, Ted? I mean, I, I'm being serious here. Now we're talking with Ted Malik, and I mean, you've written books on the economy. You taught all over the world. You've been, can you really predict right now? I mean, because what I mean by that is so many things are uncertain. I, I mean, it feels like we're on a trend line down. I was telling my sons this morning on the drive to school, my one son said, why is inflation so bad, dad? And I, we went into a discussion. I went into, I actually talked more about oil and and gas and how OPEC for a period of years, two or three, when Donald Trump was president, OPEC, OPEC was happy to be left alone. They didn't want to be messed with. They didn't want us to try to overthrow them and all that. But they also were getting less and less powerful because we were getting more and more energy independent. And that made it good. They couldn't hold us hostage. And we weren't, you know, we, And but here we are now where gas prices keep going up, up, up. So but do we know? I mean, could technology change everything? Could the war, a uh, nuclear war obviously change? anything? do we really know what will be here in 2024? Well, you, you just threw out a whole lot of uh, <laughs> what ifs, but uh, Yeah, economists are in the business of generally looking into the crystal ball and making predictions. They have models to do such. Some of them are better than others. Uh, Some of us have better records than others. But I I would like you to recall, I know you recall this, in 1980, the states is a bit, when President Carter was swept from office by then-conservative candidate, a very articulate, uh, handsome guy named Ronald Reagan, he asked the American people one simple, timely question. You remember it? Are you better off? Yeah, yep. You were four years ago. Yeah, uh, and you know, you, you you need to go look at that YouTube again and just watch Reagan ask that question in the debates. So that's really the question I'm asking, and I think the answer for almost all Americans is going to be, "Oh my God, how do we get rid of this senile nincompoop?" Well, that's right, and the question is. Uh, you know, by then, what do we have? Right. I mean, I guess let me ask you this, Ted, you watched a lot of the back and forth in politics. The ebb and flow is um, are you you confident the House and Senate go Republican? And then let me ask you a different part of that. If it's true, if that's true, which I think you'll say it is. How does that help the economy or does it? Well, it puts some brakes on things, which I think is fortunate. And it gives us a lot of uh, power in terms of the uh, a subpoena power of, of Congress, potentially even the impeachment of the president. But it really doesn't turn around the economy. No, we don't get the reins to the economy. We don't get to put people into positions of power. We may be able to stop some bad economic measures, but you can't do very much. Uh, so, yeah, I, I'm glad to see. I saw that last week. Uh, Newt Gingrich finally came around to my number. He said, we're going to win 75 seats. And I'm on record with you as saying between 65 and 85. So he just took it right down the middle. 
Well, and and I think, you know, I, you know, no less an authority who I really mean that when I say it over the weekend, Selena Zito, who writes and has written at the New York Post and the Washington Examiner, and of course, wrote a book after the Trump year, she was ahead of the curve on Trump voters, and she's from Pennsylvania. She wrote a piece over the weekend that said it's, um, it's going to be like, uh, was it 1894? I mean, she said it's, it's that that this is a wave shaping uh, that that uh, and I, I, you know, uh, the the um, uh, a commentator who I guess I don't know if he would want me to quote him, but I was talking to him. He said all the the Democrats think abortion's a winner. It's not a winner for them. The only people who care about abortion are the progressives. They're already there. The rest of the country's going. Hey, why are my gas prices up? Why are you messing with my school district, etc.? I, I think we, you know we the, the the danger then though, Ted, is we have to actually lead and have a vision, right? I mean that's the that's the question. Will we have uh, Republicans that are willing to stand up and look even look different, if uh, not be different? Th- you, you hit the nail. Of course, we agree on this. And uh, Peter Navarro's new book, which I highly recommended, you know, to people this weekend about uh, Trump's time in office, suggests we really do need not these rhino leaders any longer. We need America first leaders. That means we have to get rid of McConnell. We have to get rid of McCarthy. I've said this over and over again. But I'm I'm focused on um, the misery index at least these days, and I'm predicting yeah. that. Um, uh, you know, Obama's misery index was uh, 9.4. Carter's was an all-time high, 16.26. Uh, Gerald Ford's was not that good. Trump had a fantastic, I mean, just fantastic misery index. Everybody was happy, except some Democrats. Created wealth for everyone, all groups, not just the wealthy, more than any other president. So my question is really, how is Scranton Joe doing for the little guy, for the economy as a whole? And when you review these numbers, and they're going to get worse, I'm suggesting in the end, in 2024, now he probably won't be running, but she might be, uh, his misery index is going to be very close to 16. Um, Ted, I asked this last week on the, on the radio, too, though, about, and I experienced this. I, I, I hate to, um, well, I'm, I we went out to dinner for... Um, for Mother's Day, my family and the, you know, there's four kids and my wife and I, and we went to one of these local uh, restaurants. It's not not too high end, but not you know, not a fast food place. So there were servers, there were waiters and waitresses, and they're understaffed. And everywhere now, I know we're in Northern Virginia, so maybe that's different because the swamp is insulating. But feels like in the economic numbers, excuse me, the unemployment numbers are so low. Why is that happening? If everything else is dragging, people are just working to stay ahead, afloat. Well, coming out of COVID, of course, the unemployment numbers did improve because we unnecessarily closed down the economy stupidly, not in every state, but in some states. Uh, So the unemployment numbers are not bad, but they're creeping up. The real participation rate is not so great. And when you look at the minority populations, it's getting worse, and particularly amongst young people. Uh, so I, I don't think you're going to see any vast improvement there. There are supposedly over 11 million unfilled jobs in America, and people would rather take the food stamps or whatever they're getting rather than take those jobs, which is frankly very discouraging, and it's going to play into a worse economy. 
Well, and that's that, that is right. That's there. There is um, there is that it's just it's a funny it's a funny feel on this. And then meanwhile, gas prices are through the roof, which we and I know this is what you're saying with the misery index. You, you don't get to, you don't get to run from gas prices being up. It, it, it impacts yeah. every aspect of everything, whether you buy a piece of furniture or buy a piece of corn, you're going to be paying okay. gas prices up. Right. I did the calculation this morning. Gas prices at present are up three hundred and seventeen percent since uh, Joe became president. How many say it again? 317%. Wow. Wow. Uh, and I mean, I, you know, the leftists in his administration don't want a carbon economy, so they're not going to uh, bring back American uh, uh, energy independence. Frankly, the, the price of oil and gas, I think, is going to stay high. It's not going to drop precipitously. Yeah. Some people think that, you know, that this is a Putin phenomenon that. It, we're going to, you know, go back to $2 gas. I don't see that happening be- between now and the next few years. Uh, we're talking with Ted Malik again, and Ted's piece is over to American Greatness. I'll put it up as soon as uh, I see it posted there. Last line of thought uh, from you, Ted. What's going to happen in Europe? Uh, excuse me. What's going to happen in Ukraine? And what's going to happen with this war? I mean, I know you, you can't do the crystal ball, but you, every day you see more indications of how people are behaving. What are, you, what are your thoughts? Well, it has gone on for far longer than many of the military analysts suggested at first. Uh, and it has been a very disappointing result, I'm sure, for Putin and his inner circle. I was told by a very informed source that he sent his top general to the U- Ukraine this last week, and he came back and he told him the truth, how bad things really are, uh, where they're behind the uh, the April, where they're losing and why they're losing. And Putin himself is now very depressed. If you looked at his comments yesterday, which I read this morning, he didn't make some of the statements that some people presumed he would make at the big victory speech in Moscow and Red Square yesterday. Yeah. Uh, so this is prolonged. Uh, some people think it will go on for months and months in a, in a could even go on for years. It, I mean, remind you that the Russian little green men have been in the eastern part of Ukraine in the Donbass for eight years. Um, they obviously took uh, uh, Crimea in 2014 when Obama was on watch. Uh, it doesn't look like it's going to end well. But a war of attrition is really a horrible thing, frankly, for everyone. Hmm. Yeah. All right, Ted Malik. thank you as always. Great to have you back on and uh, high energy. We appreciate you and we will talk again soon. Uh, keep in touch and keep writing. We'll take a break, everybody. Got to run. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. We'll be back in a moment. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. It's been far too long. It's far too long. He's been in the he's in the wings. You feel his presence. You see his you hear his handiwork. Noah Dingler, our great producer, hasn't had a Noah Says segment since the Los Angeles Dodgers began to dominate all of baseball yet again. And so welcome back, Noah. How are you? I am well. The Dodgers spending lots of money winning games. I'm engaged, getting ready to get married later on in the year. You know, and now that I'm back on the Pro America Report, everything is right with the world. Well, now let's talk about. I, I didn't know we were going to get there. Um, uh, they, they, we, our listeners knew you're engaged. The wedding is in October. We were just talk, talking off the air. A lot of times that can be stressful. A lot of stress in weddings. You're feeling better about that right now, huh? Ed, I'm very excited about it. And it's pretty awesome because we are both detail oriented people. 
And so, but also at the same time, we are involved with each other. We want to make sure the other person is okay with the decisions that we're making because we know it's both of our weddings. And that doesn't always come when people, you know, tie the knot. So we're both very excited. And there's also a planner involved as well, which takes away a lot of that's good. Well, that's good. That's very good. All right. Well, uh, well, great. That's that's always. I mean, I really do mean it. It's a lot of stress in people's lives, especially they got families to balance. And in your case, you both are going to have sort of blending families together. So we wish you luck. All right. But back to baseball. Um, I mean, really, let's be honest. It's easy to be a Dodgers fan. It's like being a Yankees fan. You guys just buy everything, right? Well, you know, the more money, the better, Ed. And uh, I will tell you, though, giving up Jensen, uh, Jansen, excuse me, not a good deal because we do have a couple of shoes we're trying to fill, and it's looking rocky out there. I, it really, it's all about pitching, and I don't think we have the deep bullpen everybody thinks we do. So we'll see. Winning now, but hope it continues. The um and uh well and but I mean winning pretty handily. What I'm looking, I'm trying to find the record. What are they, they, they? What's their record right now? The Dodgers. They're they're um they're like uh I don't know. They're they're, 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 they're dominating. Yeah, nineteen and seven at the time we were recording. So you know, twelve games over five hundred. I'm not sure if that's the best record in the league, but it's it's, it's pretty darn be up good. there. And and. Yeah, it is amazing. Uh, and of course, um, meanwhile, uh, the Cardinals are hanging in there, my Cardinals. And then uh, we are, of course, uh, rooting always for San Diego to do well. But so far, they've been sort of uh, solid, very solid, very strong. But they're eclipsed by the, the, the Dodgers, right? I mean, they're two games or a couple games behind the Dodgers just because the Dodgers are so good. But they look, the Padres look solid. They really do look good. Well, we will see. And it makes better baseball, so I hope they stay on track because everybody thought it was the Padres' year last year, and they got about to the All-Star break, and they just took a nosedive. So for healthy competition, I hope they keep it up. And I'm always worried about you guys at the end of the day when we get to the playoffs. So keep losing. Well, I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm not sure this year is our year, the Cardinals year. All right, but all right now, uh, Noah. One of the things that I remember when we first started doing Noah says in the last couple of years, uh, talking about COVID and the pandemic response. And now, obviously, we're through the COVID, uh, the pandemic, at least in the sense that nobody really is saying shut it down. Although the White House over the weekend. Uh, put out something saying, oh, you know, it's going to be a long uh, fall or I don't know what they said, long summer. They, they, they're worried about COVID spikes. I mean, there's still hints of people that want to uh, to do con- to have control. I mentioned in the wink tonight uh, today that um, the during Chuck Todd's meet the press, he dramatically said, and, and we've just confirmed that uh, a million people have died since COVID. Now, you and I both, I think, could go into that and say, wait, how did they how did they classify a bunch of these deaths? But to be honest, this is going to sound even odder. A million doesn't sound like that much. I mean, in the sense that we're talking about 30 months. And at the time we started, we're like, oh, this is going to kill everyone. So let's let's assume that half of them are made are not good deaths in terms of the designation. Yep. It doesn't sound like a worldwide pandemic. I mean, and here we are. So what's your sense now after the fact of, of where we are with COVID? I would say this, and I've been saying this very early on because it was always discounted by people trying to push the narrative. And I don't have the number in front of me, and I do know that the number is great. How many people, Ed, each year die the flu in in 20 months of covid how many people have died with the flu 
Well, and honestly, for to, what I started to say is that they, they stopped counting flu deaths. They just said, we're not, we have zero because they're folding them into the other. I mean, I'm being serious. They, they did not count them. They said, oh, well, you know, we're not counting that. We got too many things to do. So you don't even know. I mean, are you, it's, I mean, look, at the end of this all, Noah, we're talking with Noah Dingley, a, a Noah Says segment. What, what we definitely came away being able to say concretely, which is a big deal. It's just simply this. We don't trust the science. Meaning, we don't trust those people that say, trust the science, because we were so misled. And again, that doesn't mean that there's not truth, that there's not something we got to work towards. We can learn how to be better, right? We, you know, we know certain things work better, but we were told the X and Y and Z, and they, they were lies, right? And more people, for, not just on masks or ivermectin or whatever, all different kinds of ways. So when we finish this pandemic, people are in the position where they say, okay, I just don't trust the people that are telling me trust the science. That may be liberation because we shouldn't have, but it's also sort of makes life harder, right? It's sometimes easier to have uh, someone to tell you what to do and you can trust them like your mom or your dad, right? You say, oh, mom says this is what's best for me. I'm going to do that. And now we've got all these people that lied to us. I don't trust any of them. Yeah, I agree 100%, especially now you have that Pfizer report that's coming out. I believe it's uh, on a monthly basis where they have to release so much information. They wanted to hold it for 75 years, not being held accountable. And now you're seeing a lot of what we were promised with the vaccines isn't even close to adding up from injuries to deaths to effectiveness. And the American people, everybody that I feel, whether they're pro or anti-vax or just in the middle, they do not trust the people in charge because they feel played. They feel like, again, any of the science that's been brought before them is been either made up or falsified. And they don't know who to trust at the end of the day. So it really what you just said is 100 percent spot on. Uh, we're talking with Noah Dingley again and Noah says Noah says segment. Uh, no, let's switch over to the economy now. I mean, you know, we we're watching and I've asked about I asked Ted Malik on today's show. I'm going to ask him, you know, we're going to talk to Ted Malik about his he's got a piece that I was reading. I was texting him and saying, I'm going to ask you about this. One of them was, OK, you say that the economy's bad. I agree. Inflation's through the roof. Gas prices through the roof. The fundamentals are off. They're raising interest rates. Everything's off. But unemployment is as low as it's been. And and I know, okay, well, the pandemic shut everything down. A lot of stuff shut down coming back on. But I went out to dinner for Mother's Day with my my wife and our family. And we were in our, uh, probably the second or third restaurant in the last two weeks that was clearly understaffed. And my daughter, who's 18, is looking for a summer job. She, she's got her pick of jobs, waitressing, right? So what's the deal with the economy? How, how are you seeing the economy, inflation, everything affecting families, your family, others? I agree with you when I go out and about, not just restaurants, but other retail establishments. They always seem, not that they're not handling or doing their job, you know, amazingly, but they always seem just a bit understaffed, like they're not up to full capacity with the amount of employees that should be working. I don't know if that's just because certain people have had the fear game played on them for so long. They're enjoying either A, working remotely, or B, being taken care of, getting checks from the government, unemployment, what have you, stimulus money, not wanting yet to go back to work because they're so scared. But as far as and as far as the the economy goes overall, people are having a hard time with prices making ends meet. 
you know, for instance, I meal prep with my fiance. And every time we go on a weekly basis, we notice food costs, beverage costs, Mm -hmm. just a little bit higher. Now, we can make it work right now. It's fine. We're living within our means. How's that going to be in two months? You know, the American family, I've heard stories of a woman that doesn't fill up her tank like she used to because she can't afford it. She doesn't stock her fridge full anymore. She liked having a whole bunch of food on hand for her family, but she can't do it anymore. It is hurting the average American at the end of the day. And the Biden administration doesn't seem to be wanting to do absolutely anything. And I heard a soundbite from the Trump rally over the weekend, and he was talking about the success of the economy when he was in office. And like him or hate him, because there's people on both sides, Ed, you cannot deny the greatest economy in the history of America that was established when Trump was in office. Everybody on both sides of the aisle, liberal, conservative, Republican, Democrat, they were doing okay. The uh, We're talking with uh, Noah Dingley. I agree. And I think that the economy, the issue, uh, people just feel like it's off. And and again, as you point out, um, gas prices up so high. And, and there's no way to solve that except frankly, solve it. Meaning, you know, the things that uh, Joe Biden came in and did when he said, okay, hey, we're going to stop drilling here. We're going to stop pipelines. We're going to do all of a sudden OPEC. We have to beg OPEC to treat us right. We have to beg OPEC to give us a a break. And, you know, again, back to your point, uh, Trump didn't have to do that. And Trump was he said, hey, he said, hey, guys, I'll be your friend ish, but just stay out of the way. And then we went and made it so we didn't need them because we were energy independent. Uh, It's a massive difference, a huge difference. And uh, and again, I don't know how I don't know how it turns out because there's, as you just said, there's no instinct of the Biden administration to readjust. They're not changing their mind. They're just going charging ahead. It would be easy for me. It would be easy if I were president, but I'm glad I'm not. Let's be quite honest. Uh, if you see something's not working, all so all the things Biden did day one, shut off the Keystone pipeline, other measures along the way skyrocketing gas prices you would think okay this isn't maybe what we expected if he was legitimately trying to help the american people so you know what as much as i am against the keystone pipeline for whatever reason maybe we got to turn it back on because america needs it right now but he's never going to do that because at the end of the day the administration does not care they want the prices high because it's part of their green energy new new deal boondoggle you know, Trump had gas down to, I believe, about a buck eighty-three. I heard him say in his Save America speech, a buck eighty-three. And as you said, we were energy independent. We didn't have to worry about people uh, rules what they were telling us because we were self-sufficient. Now we are borrowing from everybody. Yeah, yeah. It's all right. Last last line uh, of questions. Uh, no, um, uh, we're running out of time. Uh, Ukraine. You know, Russia and Ukraine are, I don't know, if you believe the media, they're in a deadlock. I don't know how you're in a deadlock if you're a a Russia and you have nuclear weapons. You're not deadlocked with anybody, but it's what we're sort of made to think. What's your thoughts on where we are there? Well, this war began and it was pretty much, you know, if you don't support Putin, you're anti-American. Putin's evil Ukrainian uh, forces, you know, they're, they're the forces that are being attacked and they need to be defended and helped. Uh, now there's this deadlock. Putin's not well, apparently, but the person behind him is 10 times worse. I don't know what to think about the situation. My heart bleeds for the Ukrainian people, and I know that they need assistance, but I don't think it is America's job to be over there. I really don't. 
And I think at the end of the day, because we are, I don't see this thing ending anytime soon. And we are going to get directly involved and we can't afford, nor do we need to be in another war. I happen to think that the reason the U.S. is over there, too, is to cause another distraction. And that is potentially because of what's coming up with the midterm elections. I'm not confident. I know there's probably going to be some type of a red wave just based off of the Democrats' failed policies. But ask yourself this, Ed. Has anything changed mechanics-wise since the 2020 election? And I'll leave it at that. There you go. Exactly. All right. As always, uh, Noah says, everybody, Noah says, a great segment with their great producer, Noah Dingley. Thank you, Noah. Yeah, don't let the thousands of emails pile up before you have me back on. (laughs) I'll make sure not to do it. All right, everybody, we'll take a break. I'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on a Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, a daily commentary continuing the conservative pro-family legacy of Phyllis Schlafly. Now the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. Ephesians 4, verse 14 in the Bible, calls for Christians to be no more children, tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine, by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. I can think of no better description for the politicians who run our federal government. Just like children, they're tossed to and fro by every shiny object that comes their way. If you don't believe me, consider how quickly President Biden managed to destroy the American economy in the wake of Russian aggression in Ukraine. Biden banned the importation of Russian oil and other Russian imports, except, of course, for materials wanted by large corporations such as titanium for Boeing, plus nickel, palladium and cobalt for the Green New Deal. The oil ban hurts only the American consumer, not Russia, which can easily sell that same oil elsewhere to the likes of China or India. We should be producing our own oil and gas, but Biden rejects tapping into the unused oil fields right here. Liberal environmentalists demand that Biden continue to block our own energy production so that we'll remain dependent on foreign oil, at least until someone like Trump is reelected. To underscore this point, Senator Joe Manchin, the Democrat of West Virginia, publicly mused to himself, Joe, would you pay 10 cents more a gallon to support the people of Ukraine? Answering his own stupid question, the multi-millionaire mansion said, I'd gladly pay 10 cents more a gallon. Most Americans would be glad to pay only 10 cents more, but gas prices have surged by $2 a gallon since Joe Biden was elected, while the price of diesel fuel is up by $2.50 a gallon. Truckers, farmers, and other hardworking Americans cannot afford to fill up the big rigs they need to produce and deliver the food and supplies that we all depend on Every single day. Those that frequent the D.C. Beltway should stop being tossed to and fro by the ideas that sound good on the surface but have hidden disastrous effects on the rest of the nation. We need steady, consistent, conservative action to develop and defend American interests. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. In 2016, the conservative movement lost one of our strongest leaders, but Mrs. Schlafly's work and her voice continue through this radio program, our work in Washington, and the influence you have in your own community. Be part of that legacy at phyllisschlafly.com. We encourage you to bookmark phyllisschlafly.com. And join us again for the Phyllis Schlafly Report.
Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Hey, we just got a couple of minutes to finish up. I want to caution you or invite you, that's the word, invite you to uh, undertake a slightly different uh, possibility than reading Politico or listening to the Pro-America Report. And that is, I want to offer to people that they should engage very intentionally at this time in more prayer. And here's my challenge to you. I will invite you not just to engage in more prayer. I had a friend of mine. Um, uh, we, so we do an, we do a weekly prayer, uh, call with, um, I had up to sometimes a hundred and some odd people join this call, prayer call. It's every Friday at 10 a.m. Central Time. And it's welcome to anybody. You can join in too. I'll get the, if you send me an email, I'll put you on the list and you can come in. But this past week, we had a prayer leader on the call and, uh, his name is Bear. He's a sur, he's a surfer, Bear Woznik. Amazing guy. And, and he talked about his prayer and, and, and he talked about what he does every day. He talked about his hour of prayer every morning. He gets in his prayer chair and he prays every morning for an hour and he challenged me i was like huh i i had forgotten that a lot of people go for a full hour in one place he called the prayer chair i'd never heard that term but i i I had myself dedicated time every day to prayer and i thought well that was a good challenge from bear to me as i listened he didn't say it directly to me Here's my invitation though. More prayer, that's true. And, and if you can get to your own prayer chair and do things for yourself, but also group prayer. And that's my invitation. You can join the Prayer for America, the Phyllis Schlafly Eagles Prayer for America, which we do every single Friday at 10 a.m. You can jump in there with us. Send me an email, ed at phyllisschlafly.com, ed at phyllisschlafly.com. And I'll send you an email back and invite you. And it's a great group. And we take prayer requests. We pray less than 30 minutes together. It's about, it's about 27 to 28 minutes so that people can get on with their busy days every Friday at 10 a.m. Central Time. And here, again, my, there's a lot of things going upside down. You know, we talked earlier with uh, great Noah Dingley, our producer. We're talking about how broken our trust is in institutions, right? Our trust in institutions is shattered because the institutions have been so bad and they've been so dishonest and dishonorable. And so that, that trust is shattered. But what do we do about it? And one of the things we end up doing is just worrying and flailing, flailing and failing, which is one of my favorite lines. And so you have to redouble your efforts to join uh, in prayer. And that's what my challenge is to you, uh, is to go ahead and do that. All right, I got to run. Thank you, as always, to Noah Dingley, our great producer, Joanna Spilger, associate producer, and you for listening. Email me, ed at phyllisschlafly.com. I will sign you up for our email list. I'll be back tomorrow. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Talk to you tomorrow. Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. 
Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.